Welcome, my love, to The Collective. The Collective is you, it is me, it is every woman. Raising the vibration of the fucking planet as we show up, step up, and serve the purpose we were put here for. My name is Taylor Ray. I am the queen of blending the woo with the work, and I'm going to show you how to do just that. I'm an entrepreneur, podcaster, speaker, and spiritual business mentor, and I help visionary women just like you build online businesses so they can have the impact they are here for and call in the abundance they are so worthy of. Get ready to become unapologetic, abundant, and aligned as fuck because the universe has put you here in divine timing and you're exactly where you're meant to be. Welcome back to another episode of The Collective Podcast. I am so excited you are here because inside of today's episode, I am sitting down with the incredible Kate Nolan. Kate is the co-founder and former COO of Graced by Grit and current vice president of strategic initiatives and community at Highly. Kate brought coaching experience and product knowledge specific to female athletes to Grace by Grit and now does the same at Highlight, which acquired Grace by Grit in June 2018. As the first female on the company's leadership team, Kate is pioneering the investment model in the company and empowering girls to embrace their grit through Highlight Student Athlete Scholarship Fund. Kate is a pioneer for change and shares a powerful example of the power of building relationships with your customers, focusing on company culture, challenging the norm, and doing things differently. This is such an interesting conversation that I have with Kate, and I seriously had so many takeaway moments that I'm so excited to share with you inside of this episode. Today, we are talking about Kate's journey from entrepreneur to first female on the leadership team at Highlight. We talk about tips on building a startup, acquiring investors, and bringing value to the table. We touch on the importance of sharing your story in order to connect with your customers. And we also go over why Highlight contributes 1% of its women's product sales to a student athlete scholarship fund every Every single year. We talk about what being the first female on a leadership board has meant for Kate and for the culture of the company. And we break down the investor model, something I had never heard of before. And you might not have as well, but you're going to learn all about it inside of this episode and how it has been a part of raising more than $9.7 million from over 4,900 investors. I also love that we talk about Kate's hopes of breaking the glass ceiling for her two daughters and for women everywhere and how she is doing it every single day. There are so many key takeaways inside of this episode that I know you are going to love. So definitely get ready for that. And as you are listening, make sure that you do screenshot your favorite parts and share them over on your Instagram stories, tagging me at TayRayOfficial so that I see them and can connect with you in the DMs. Now let's get into the episode. Beautiful Kate, welcome to the Collective Podcast. I am so excited to have you here. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, Taylor. Glad to be here. Yes, it's going to be a good time. I can feel it. I can feel it. So let's have a little, let's start off, have a little chat. Tell anyone who doesn't know who you are or what Highly is or how this whole thing came about. Give us a little bit of a picture as to who you are and how you've gotten to where you are today. Oh gosh, that's a loaded question. Who am I? I am currently the VP of Strategic Initiatives and Community at Highleet and Highleet's an athletic apparel company. We call ourselves a training lifestyle brand make product head to toe plus carry and a lot of content as well as um, we have a fitness app, which is really exciting. It's high intensity interval training. So I do that day to day. I also run the Graced by Grit Foundation, which was really born out of a company that I started called Graced by Grit. And I started that in 2013 with another woman named Kimberly. And we were on a mission really to empower women that were 
you know, going through life, getting out there, sweating their stories and really wanted to share that, you know, grit is part of life. And there's these really tough moments that we all face and that if you can get through them, if you can find your strength, it's ultimately what gives you your grace at the end of the day. So started that company, was really successful, sold it to Hylete, um, which is where I've been since June of 2018. I'm also a mom of two girls, 17 and 19 year old daughters. Um, and yeah, I live in California and I love, love the lifestyle out here. Get outside almost every single day. So that's, that's me in a nutshell. Yeah. I love it. I love it. You just like nailed that like straight out of the park. <laughs> so <laughs> good. So good. So let's back it up a little bit and let's talk about how things initially, initially kicked off for you. So obviously Grace by Grit was where everything started. What triggered the beginning of that for you? And obviously I'm not sure if that links in with being a mom of girls or what was the, the founding thing that made that actually take off for you and made you want to start it? You know, I think that's an interesting question, particularly for your audience, because Graced by Grit wasn't something that I had this like vision my whole life and thought I'm going to start an athletic apparel company. I had no design degree. I never even thought of myself as an entrepreneur, although I had the tendencies of always starting programs at gyms and, um, you know, little clubs. Like, so I had that nature uh, about me, but I wasn't thinking long-term ever, oh, I'm going to start a company. Um, I was at the time coaching women's running groups and women individually. So I was leading these women's running groups and recognizing obviously what women were wearing and seeing the trends of, you know, the athletic apparel industry really starting to blossom with companies like Lululemon where wearing yoga pants wasn't just because you're working out, but because you were going to a coffee shop. Um, So recognize the need in the market in that capacity. Um, But more than that, it was about seeing these women. And once they had this physical strength or that the physical strength was often what they were utilizing to get through tough moments in life, I saw that, you know, there was these brands out there that both myself and my former partner, we just didn't see anything that resonated enough with us, both in the quality of the gear. We thought, you know, we really wanted things that didn't just look great when you were static, but looked great, you know, when you were moving, especially for women as they were aging, you know, compression being our best friend as we get older in a lot of ways. (laughs) Um, And then also something that spoke to us, we had both been through moments in our lives that were really pivotal, pivotal, excuse me, and really challenging. Um, I got pregnant at a really young age. I was a junior in college and had my daughter, um, you know, finishing up my degree and my, you know, young 21 year old, Um, my business partner at the time had um, lost her first husband, unfortunately to cancer. And, you know, we realized that these were stories that we shared with so many other women. We'd gone through these moments in our lives that were so tough. And where were the brands that were recognizing women? And so we thought, you know, uh, let's do it. So I was working there. She was looking for a coach. We talked about it while I was training her. So I was training her for a triathlon in honor of actually a young woman in San Diego who had lost her life while out running a trail because she didn't have any way to get in touch. She didn't have a pocket to hold her cell phone, which she left in her car. She didn't have a whistle to draw attention to herself. And so unfortunately she was murdered and her family took all that grief and they turned it into a foundation, which raises awareness for safety, but also passed a law called Chelsea's law that um, protects all of our children and all of us from sex offenders. So we had that sort of like piece of it where it was like, this is, this could be something bigger. We talked a lot about starting a brand together. And then at the time I had left my job coaching and I had taken this big job downtown San Diego and I never saw my kids. It was not the right fit for me. I got fired from it. I called all my clients up and said, okay, I'm ready to train again. 
And remember, we had talked about doing this business. What do you think about doing it now? And so that was actually two years after we had talked about it. And then we decided to just go for it. And we truly spent about six months, you know, looking at the market, writing a business plan, figuring out how we work together. Could we work together? And then we launched Grace by Grit in January of 2013. And it, from there, we got it to market in about nine months. And it was really, really exciting. One of the best times of my life. And also one of the most stressful times of my life. <laughs> yeah, I can only imagine. Especially when something takes off as incredibly as what you have done did. You know, it's, it's almost like you think you're ready for it. And then it takes off and you're like, oh, shit. Like, I wasn't ready for this, but I'm like celebrating every step of the way. So, yeah, that is, uh, I got goosebumps through that story as well. Like, honestly, that just parts of that was just like, oh my goodness. Like, and one thing that I really want to go back to is the importance of sharing the story in terms of building a brand. And I would really love for you to speak on that in terms of obviously what you are about with Grace by Grit. And I want to talk about how that's now evolved over time, but with building that out, how important do you feel that the, the movement behind the brand and the story of the brand, how pivotal and important was that to building your audience and building the customers that you had that felt really connected to Grace by Grit itself? I mean, excuse me, frankly, for us, I think that was the number one reason we were successful was because of the storytelling component and because it was authentic storytelling too. It wasn't, you know, creating stories, creating um, drama or, emo you know, high emotion just to draw interest. It was real life things that were happening that really resonated with our audience. And we created a platform where women felt that they could could actually share too. So they felt that it was a safe place for them to share and that they were encouraged by this entire community that they could push through this tough moment, whether it was a moment that they chose or a moment that they didn't. And so our blog and all of our content that we put out there was about those women. We never hired models. We used real life women that we met while we were out on the road. Um, and so for me, and I think really what's relevant today, when you look at brands that are resonating and companies that are making a difference and an impact and are scaling are brands that are recognizing the importance of storytelling, whatever that means to your company. And so, you know, for us now at High Leap, we just put out a small little docu-series about a young woman who is uh, a Paralympian. She's going to Japan this year and she lost half of her leg when she was a young girl with cancer and it never stopped her. And it was, it's amazing to hear, we're sort of doing this campaign called What Do You Train For? But that storytelling with our audience is resonating. I mean, the amount of feedback, positive feedback that we're getting about hearing, you know, the real life stuff that happens is incredibly powerful and what is what keeps people engaged. I mean, we're all part of fast content now where you can just flip through a screen and see anything you want. And so it's how do you engage that audience so that they want to stay loyal? Yeah. Yeah. So true. So true. And truly, like you said, it's so applicable no matter what you do, no matter what industry you're in, like that storytelling element is everything. Because ultimately, like you said, being so fast paced, like you've got to be more than just a product or more than just a service. You have to make sure that you are creating a relationship through the brand, whether you're a personal brand or whether you are, like I said, a product or a service based um, business, it doesn't matter. It's about the connection that you are creating with your audience. And I think that that's very, very powerful for those listening, whether they've got the business or whether they're looking at starting one, understanding like, you know, where, where is your story? What does that look like? How can you tell that again from that real place of authenticity? Because that is going to be what people connect with. And they feel that level of attachment with the brand. And I could rattle off so many brands that, you know, it's just a brand, but I actually feel connected to it like a person because of the level of effort that's 
gone into that. So I think that's a really, really powerful point. Um, let's now shift into obviously what happened next. So you did this amazing thing. You started at Grace by Grit and then it got acquired by Highlight. So what was that process like? I know that Grace by Grit shifted into being a nonprofit first. Is that correct? And then was acquired by Highlight? Actually, the other way around. The other oh. way around. So, yeah. So we were um, at a pivot point and I think a lot of people find themselves, you know, all along the way in business. And it, for us, you know, in order to get to the next level in terms of revenue, we really needed to raise capital to be able to manufacture more apparel. The demand was there, but without the capital, it's hard to um, grow our business in particular. And so we were looking for a lot of outside capital. One of the mistakes that we made was we were looking for women to invest and we kept trying to find these high net worth women that we thought, okay, well, they're going to want to invest in women, another woman founded business. This is where they're going to want to put their money. And that was a big mistake. <laughs> and it's a very, I mean, it's very topical right now in terms of women trying to find funding and also the amount of women um, that have started businesses that cannot find funding. And we were an example of really struggling and looking in the wrong spaces. What we eventually found was investors invest. And unfortunately, investors are primarily men. And so we were barking up the wrong tree thinking we could, you know, change, change the world on one fell swoop. And, and ultimately we couldn't, but what we did find was that we were looking, okay, how do we make this company succeed if we can't get investment and grow it in the way that we want to? And so with that, you know, you have to look at all sorts of different options. Is it that we sell our company to somebody else? Is it that we were our company. At one point, I was even, you know, envisioning just building um, upon our brand with two other women-founded companies to hit a revenue mark that would be more attractive to venture capital or mm -hmm. private equity to get that investment. And unfortunately, both of the women that I approached were not interested <laughs> in joining forces to get there. Um, but but what did happen was we were really fortunate. I was at an event with my business partner um, trying to raise capital. We ran into the CEO. Of Elite, and we started to talk and we were asking about how their women's line was doing. And it was sort of that light bulb moment of like, women's line is about four years behind the men's line. They don't really have anybody running it. There's an opportunity there to potentially work together. And so I pitched the opportunity uh, to the CEO and he thought long and hard about it. And he came back and said, you know what, we thought about it. It actually allowed me to really look at what we're doing. And we realized that we should just be putting more energy into that. And so it's a no, we're not interested. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh man, that was, I mean, it was like a big blow because we really were thinking, okay, this is going to be it. This is going to be our ticket to make this thing work because we were just really struggling with finding investors. And so we ended up, I ended up, you know, not sleeping for another week and starting to think, okay, what's our next step? And I went back to him and I said, you know what, you're wrong. And here's, here's why this is what we can do. And we came up with a plan together of joining forces in the context of them acquiring us um, and bringing some members of my team on that where they had holes to just really grow that women's side of the business faster than they had initially thought that they could. Mm -hmm. um, and with that, we also brought a lot of experience in customer service and product um, where we could add value immediately to their brand that was growing really fast. Um, and so he did say yes the second time. So that's a lesson in listening to your gut. If it says that someone else is wrong and you know that you have an answer for them that will work, um, stick with it and don't give up right away. 
Um, but so we did that. And then what happened was we really were toying with, you know, is it going to be a line within Hylete? And so it's the Grace by Grit line of Hylete or it's powered by Hylete, but it felt really complicated to do it that way. And so instead what we decided to do was we would dedicate 1% of all of the women's product sales for Hylete to go back to the Grace by Grit Foundation. So that required us to start a foundation and we thought, okay, let's, this is perfect because it continues the legacy of what Grace by Grit is about. And it brings that flavor and that story to Hylete so that we have a bigger story for the women's line and we're making a difference. We're making a difference in young women's lives by offering a scholarship for them going to college for athletics and academics. Mm -hmm. And isn't that the kind of impact that we ultimately want to have? And so in a lot of ways, it was really serendipitous in terms of how that all played out and things have just worked tremendously well. Getting our 501c and applying for that nonprofit was a bit of a lengthier process than I anticipated being. So this is our first year where we're having a scholarship available to a young woman going to college. And it's been great. We've had great, great, great um, feedback from people within the community and support within the community. We had an event in um, Cleveland called the Get Gritty Cleveland event where we had 180 young women participate in a day of learning what grit was and how they can find it within themselves and how to persevere. And these young women walked away with, you know, knowing how to be inclusive of other girls, which is something that I think is super powerful, but truly how to be gritty women and how to enter into this next phase of their life as gritty women, whatever that looks like for them. Um, and so it's really cool to see how what started as an athletic apparel company has really now turned into something much bigger and that Hylete has been able to incorporate that in all the storytelling, which is really part of my job day to day too. Oh my God. I love this. I love it so much. And I just want to commend you on what you're doing and the way that you're showing up for women and giving a voice to something that is so important. And I love that the message around grit has just been carried through like every single step of the way. And the way that you've incorporated it into highlight. And one of the things that I really just want to like touch on, one of the things that really stood out that you said was around you came back and you focused on like, how can we provide value ourselves? So how can we bring value in rather than just like, okay, well, this company's investing in us. So like they're bringing the value to us. And I think that that's really, really powerful for anyone starting a company or looking for people who are going to invest or shifting the direction of what's going on. If you are partnering with someone, like how can you bring value to the table as well, rather than just what's in it for me? Would you agree with that? I absolutely agree. And it's really interesting you say that too, because I just had a conversation with a woman that I'm mentoring um, last night and she was going to pitch some, um, some investors to potentially invest. And she had said to me that when she, after she meets with them, she always asks them, what can I do for you? Which is really interesting because an investor is, you know, the expectation when you're going to those meetings is, okay, I'm coming in, I'm pitching, I want you to give me money. Yeah. And when she flips that script, it opens up a different conversation where they might be more open-minded, not only to invest in them because of the intelligent question, yeah. but beyond that, it's maybe they're not the right fit in that moment for an investment, but maybe they know people that can help drive her business forward. Maybe they know other investors, right? Or maybe she can truly help them. And then that, you know, continues that relationship and down the line, you just never know. So I do, I agree with everything you said. And I think it's really important to be, to be thinking in those terms, oftentimes, even as somebody that's going out there and you're trying to redefine yourself and what is that next step for you? Mm -hmm. It's, you know, you're entering these conversations, of course, looking for opportunity and how can people help you or what can you, what are you trying to do? But ultimately, what can you provide value for them? You know, and I think when you shift that lens, it, it creates a lot of, a lot of different conversations. 
totally totally and like you said it just opens up opportunities that might not have been on the table otherwise and yeah, the other thing that I love that you said as well was around it being very serendipitous and things all just kind of working out like exactly as it was meant to, even when it didn't necessarily feel like it was going to at certain points, you know, along the journey. And I'd love to just touch on that a little bit because it is something that we talk about a lot here on the podcast is, you know, everything's happening for you, not to you. It's all happening in divine timing. A lot of the time, you know, sometimes you'll see people and they're like, Shit, like, I really wished that this had happened at this point and it didn't work out for me, but then it happened two years down the track and I realized like, oh my gosh, like this is why it didn't happen then because I so wasn't ready for it. Do you feel like that was kind of what happened with your journey as well? I do. You know, I'm, I'm one of those people that I think when I was in my 20s, I, I really hated when people would say, and I think part of it was having a baby young. People would always say, oh, everything happens for a reason. It's meant to be. This is how, you know, and it, for some reason for me, it felt like they were, you know, trying to make it a positive spin on something that at the time felt stressful course, the joys of having a baby that was all there, but it was more along trying to finish college and, you know, starting life with, you know, a bigger responsibility already. Um, and so I really fought that narrative for a long time. And as life has gone on and life experiences have unfolded, I definitely feel that, you know, timing is essential to everything. And yeah, things that maybe you wished happened earlier and they end up happening later, or they happen in a different way than you thought they would, or the feelings around it are so different than you anticipated them being. Um, you know, that's really eye-opening for me. And it was serendipitous in terms of the merging of the team and the brand. And, and both sides say this. It's like, wow, we were all sort of meant to to find each other and to get into this space. Um, that feels really good. But I would never have, like if somebody said, write down the, write a book and tell me how this is all going to play out, That that is never how I thought it would go. No. which is really interesting. You know, I knew what I, that we wanted to sell the company. That was always part of our plan and we stuck to that plan, but it was never how it actually unfolded. Mm, yeah. So funny. Hey, you think that you can just like map it all out exactly as you want it to be, but often there's just other plans in the works. And as much as it might not be what you thought, it all does always work out. But I so agree with you. I definitely used to have that mindset as well. And I used to have a lot of resistance around that. And then through my journey, I've gone through things. I'm like, okay, actually, I, see I know, it. right? I see it. I see it. So yeah, it's funny how you can have so much resistance to something like that. But then over time, the more you open yourself up to it, long term the easiest things start to feel because then things you know quote unquote going wrong you can start to lean more into that energy of okay well this feels like shit but i know it's happening for a reason like we're gonna get through it so yeah it's definitely a powerful shift to make that's for sure um i definitely want to talk about your role within highly as well um i know that you're serving as the vice president of strategic initiatives and community and you're the first female on the company's leadership team so props to you for that that is so freaking exciting <laughs> what has that been like how do you how do you serve in that role what's the dynamic like what's the, some of the shifts that you've had to make coming in as the first female. I feel like that would just be something very powerful that you would have had to go in and do. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because I I entered it. I mean, I've always been, you know, I hate the word tomboy, but I'll say it. I was always more of a tomboy growing up. And I, um, so to me, it wasn't, you know, I was always the girl that ended up finding myself in the room watching football with the guys because it was more exciting than being in, all the, in the kitchen with the girls as gender roles, you know, unfortunately were back then. Um, but I think, you know, what has, what has been an interesting part of the process is I didn't enter it thinking I'm going to go in there and it's going to be like all guys against me or anything along those lines. It was like, I'm coming in there because I'm professional and I'm well qualified to enter this room and I'm going to lean in and I'm going to be part of the conversations and be myself. 
um, which I have been. Now, with all that being said, you enter a brand or a company that has been run by men and not had a female executive. Mm-hmm. There's, you know, it's it's a different dynamic when, especially when you're one table, one woman at the table too, right? Mm-hmm. And the first woman at the table, it just changes the dynamics. I will say I'm surrounded by really progressive thinkers that are not only, you know, intellectually qualified to be working with me, but emotionally intelligent and they, you know, understand both emotional, you know, internal diversity and external diversity and the importance of it and something that it was not an intentional thing that had been, you know, done at the company. Like, oh, we're only hiring men on our leadership team. They all sort of got together and created this really cool brand and it just happened to be a bunch of guys. Um, And then I came along. I think that what has been nice and exciting is for the other women that we're raising through the ranks there. It's nice to have an example of someone that is at the top in terms of the leadership team. And I also think it's given a voice for a lot of women inside the company that didn't necessarily feel like they had one. Um, I have had, you know, multiple conversations and part of what I do as well is I do our internal culture and HR. And so I know everybody on the team and I know, you know, where there's pain points and where there's positives and, you know, what people's goals are, et cetera. So it's been really fun to see how younger women that maybe didn't feel or felt intimidated or didn't feel like they had a strong voice, how with a little bit of encouragement, mm-hmm. they've come a long way. Um, and so, you know, it's, and I, and there's been some tricky moments. And I think, you know, when you, when you look at things through a different lens, whether that's life experience or gender um, or how you run a company, right? I was working with all women before. I had only women on my team. So I wasn't even working. I had no men that I was working with. So it was like a total shift, you know? Oh, wait a minute. When I'm going to try those yoga pants on, I actually can't just take my pants down in the office anymore. I have to go into a dressing room. Like literally, like it was like we were always getting naked and like just trying clothes on and no one cared. Yeah. He's <laughs> like, where was I for that? Uh, but so- you know, that, that was, it was, it was just, okay, this is a different dynamic right there alone. Um, but you know, again, I think I live, I, I work at a super progressive place that is, was already that way. And then helping to build that culture out even more where we can bring some initiatives in that are feeding that diversity. And, you know, now half the company is women. So it, that's also a really exciting thing. Yeah. Yeah. So amazing. Isn't it incredible? And I swear by this and like in every company I've ever worked for and now obviously being a leader of my own team, it's honestly the leadership side of things is everything. And it's so incredible. And I have friends that work in massive corporate and they're in HR and everything like that. And even speaking to them, the dynamic of like one person, like one person coming in and giving a voice or one person just shifting the the power dynamic or opening up the space for people to speak. And it trickles, it's such a trickle down effect. Like it impacts everybody all the way through and it changes the entire company. And so obviously that's what happened with you coming in there and giving a voice to so many women. What are some of the initiatives around that diversity side of things or around the internal company culture that you have brought in that you feel has been really important in the growth? of the company? Um, I mean, I would say for what I've brought in is getting women the opportunity to get out into the community and join groups that are supporting not only them professionally, but also as women and women professionals in the workplace. So really encouraging that. I just, nobody had brought it to the table before. Um, We've also brought in a couple different tools, some HR tools, predictive index being one of them, where we utilize it to really understand people's strengths and positives and use it in terms of conversation. So it takes out the personal side of 
conflicts and really allows it to be professional. Like this is who you are, this is who I am, whether that's a gender problem or not, which oftentimes some things just simply can be like, oh, I see it through that lens because I'm actually a woman and I don't want to have a gusset in my yoga pants and you're a guy and you're designing them and you need to listen to me. You know, like it's, you know, it can be just that black and white, but, um, and, and also for, you know, some of the other pieces that we brought in is we added two more women to the product team. So, you know, prior they didn't have those women, um, helping to design the clothes. So you had some men that were designing women's products. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's going to be a totally different ball game. You have two more women that feel like they can have a voice amongst that team. That has been incredible. Um, some of the other things is in terms of just how we write for women, you know, the emails that were going out were very much written, whether they were for men or for women. And we added a voice to that. You know, who is that woman? Who's the Hylician woman? What does she sound like? What does she say? And how do we represent that better across every channel that we're able to utilize and communicate? Um, and so those are some of the things that we've done. And then I also just think, you know, having more women at the table, it just, it makes it more fun. I mean, you know, they, I don't want to say like the kitchen's cleaner because I don't want to be that person at all. <laughs> Although I'm really anal, and so I definitely am probably the person that's the loudest when the kitchen or crumbs are left <laughs> dirty. <laughs> Whose plate is this? <laughs> totally. Thank you. Totally. But I think that's the mom in me. Like, are you kidding me? Yeah. I go home to this crap. I'm not going to do it at work. Yeah. I want to clean up everywhere. Home's enough. <laughs> exactly. But you know, it was interesting. I did have one difficult conversation um, that I'll share that I think is powerful. So when I was, um, I had sent a note out to the team about some basic housekeeping. It had nothing to do with gender. It was really, truly like no one had done like basic housekeeping rules. And when I was writing the culture manual, I was like, this is some stuff that needs to be addressed. We're a bigger company, we're scaling, we're growing. And so I sent it out and I walked um, into an open area after it was sent out. And one of, there was two guys standing there and one of them said they were mid-level and they said, um, wow, we got to see mama bear come out. And I was like, so if our CEO who's a male sent that, would you say we just got to see daddy come out? Or would you say we got to see the boss come out? Or you wouldn't even say anything, actually. Let's be crystal clear. Yeah. And they're both like, oh, got it. So like those conversations, but being able to say it in a way that can be productive and that it shifts people's perspective, that has happened. And I think that's one example, you know, the, probably the biggest example. And it wasn't, they were, it was so unintentional. It was like consciously unbiased. They did not believe they were, you know, doing anything wrong. And it was like, no, 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 I'm the boss. I just sent that out. Let's just remember that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think even just what you said there, like very, very powerful thing to just take note of is like, it wasn't like intentional. It wasn't consciously trying to be rude, but I think that that sometimes happens with a lot of people where you sort of just say things like slip of the tongue, like out it comes, ha ha ha. And it's like, that's such an opportunity as a leader to say, okay, let's just hold up for just a sec. Like, I understand that you didn't mean anything malicious by that, but that's not really appropriate. And would you really say that if the tables were turned? So I think totally. that's powerful. And like being a woman, obviously, being a first female, like in that sort of environment, you've just got a lot of like opportunities. I feel like that's going to come up for you again and again, where you can just shift the conversations a little bit as to what's going on there. Totally. And I've, I've heard it even with investors that come through the office, you know, I've got Although you can't see at the moment, I've got lots of big curly hair and I find it oftentimes so interesting too, where they'll be like, Oh my God, your hair. Like that's the comment out of their mouth. Like there would never be saying that to somebody, a man in the office commenting about his appearance when they first met him, you know, no. and it's like, I have to redirect that. And, you know, I haven't quite figured out the most graceful way to do it, but I'm getting there. 
Mm. How, how do you feel like that has shifted for you from like when you first got in there and it first happened? Do you feel like you were kind of like, oh, I'm taken aback and didn't say anything and over time you felt more confident maybe in the role or have you just always had that confidence to sort of just say, hey, okay, let's address it? Oh, I'm much more confident now. I think, you know, over time and experience and just becoming less patient too and realizing that without saying something, then, um, you know, nothing can change. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, you know, I've joined a, a local group here. I joined the board. I'm also the third woman on the board. There's 40 men. And, um, you know, they kept looking to me to bring in more men to the board as the only, you know, one of the only women that was there. And I finally shifted that and said, hold on a second. All of you guys work with women every single day. If this is authentic, then it's you bringing women to the table because it's, if you have to open up your eyes and, and your ears and be the people that invite, because that's the only way these things are going to change. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I, I feel like I would never have said that 10 years ago. I did not have the confidence to say something like that. Um, and I think it's, you know, the time is now for sure to be able to speak up and, and stand up for what you believe in. And I'm, I'm taking advantage in every arena that I'm in to do it. Love that. Love that. And so appreciate you sharing that here on the podcast as well, because it just takes, you know, one other woman to like hear you say that and something shifts in their cultural, dyna cultural dynamic, either in their business or where they're working. And that's how we do make this massive shift as a collective is like one woman just stands up and shares her voice and then another and then another. And it gets to be a very big movement. So I appreciate you sharing that. Thank you. Um, I do want to speak about with Highly, you know, something that you're doing there is pioneering the investor, investor, is that how you say it? Model? Yeah. yeah. I want to talk about what that is and how that works because to me, it's very interesting. Yeah. So the investor model is really because, um, Hylete at the very beginning, you know, wanted to be, you know, it's, it's designed and co-founded by unconventional thinkers that really are standing up for what they believe in and creating product for the lifestyle that we're all living. So in doing that, they were, you know, looking to raise capital. And at the time the jobs act was passed and through the jobs act, it allows the everyday person, not even an accredited investor to invest in companies. Um, and so Hylete has been very successful using this model to raise capital. So we have raised with over almost, I think we ha almost have 5,000 investors now. We're getting close. Um, 5,000 investors that have contributed, you know, somewhere between 500 to 50,000 and, uh, and up even. Um, but, you know, most of those people investing in that 500, $1,000, $10,000 range and been able to raise over $9 million to build the brand. So Hylete is truly community built, backed, and driven by the community it served. When you have 5,000 people that have invested and have a stake in the game, mm -hmm. those are also your people that are going to be your best customers, right? They're out there. They're telling all their friends about it they're, you know, referring people, they're trying to connect influencers and they want the highly to succeed as much as we do. Um, and so that's really where that term investor comes from is the investor investor and the customer combined that, you know, really make us different and something that's super special about what we've done along the way. And it's really cool to see those troops on the ground that are out there that are pushing the brand. And every day we're hearing from other people that are joining, you know, the community because they've heard about it through these investors. That's amazing. So cool. And honestly, I've never heard the term before. And I feel like it's, I don't know, for me, it's like, do you believe that that's going to be something that we're going to see more and more of in companies? Do you feel like it's going to start to shift that way? 
Um, yes, I totally do. I think it's a great way to raise capital. I think it's a really interesting way to build a community too, um, because you're getting that community who has a stake in the game um, that's interested. And there's a lot of different platforms out there now. You know, there's a lot of platforms that are specific to women only. So if you're a women-founded company that allow you to, uh, you know, go on there as a female founder um, to raise capital. And we, we didn't obviously utilize that, although we did a Grace by Grit. We um, also raised capital through uh, the Jobs Act, through Reg CF is what it's called. So really exciting. And I think you'll see a lot more of this. You know, it's different than Kickstarter. Kickstarter, you have to hit that goal. Yeah. And then you get the money and that, that and then you get product or whatever it is that you signed up for. This is truly, you get, you get shares of a company. Oh, I love that. I feel, and honestly, it sort of like links into just the way everything is shifting, you know, on a business sort of playing field, but like, like Uber is like people to people and then like Airbnb people to people. And this is like people into the company. So it's like, it's all like on the same line. And I just feel like, I don't know. I love it. Like, I love the way that the world's shifting like this and it gives people an opportunity. Obviously you're an investor, like that's like income generating in like a different way that a lot like for generations before us would have never even thought about like that wouldn't have been an option. So that's amazing. Do you feel like that shift that's had a play in the way that the company has evolved and grown as well, like in terms of the feedback that you're getting from your investors? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think it's a huge part of the story and it's a big part of what makes us us. And I think, um, you know, the feedback, you know, ultimately, of course, if people want to be able to have a payday of some sort based on their investment, we have to, you know, enter a public market and that's our intention is to do that. Um, and so, That'll even be another stepping stone. But as of now, we're invest, you know, we're essentially operating as a private, or as a, excuse me, as a public company because we have all these investors. So we have full transparency with our financials. We have full transparency in the direction that we're headed in the vision of the brand. And I think people want that. I think they want to know where their money is going. But beyond that, they want to feel like they're part of something. And you know, at High Leap too, we have these other, um, you know, groups within. Our, our community, not only investors, some of them are actually not just investors, but they're also men and women in the service. We have over 25,000 members of our community that are in the service or first responders. We also have over 20,000 that are trainers, so they're certified trainers. So those are the people, the trainers, when you look at our blog, those are the people that are giving us the content for our blog and giving it that expert voice to it. So we're not just creating, we're looking to our community to help us create from every aspect. What products do they want to see? What content do they want to put out there? And how do they want to see us grow with the with their money in their pocket love that that's so powerful it's just such a like you are me and i am you and we are one sort of dynamic I think that's so powerful because then everyone just feels so invested obviously but invested invested like from an emotional perspective as well you know like we are actually a part of that so good um obviously you know you're such a pioneer and you've done so many incredible things and you're just doing such incredible things with highlight as a mom, how do you feel reflective for your daughters? You've got two teenage daughters. Like, what do you love about what you do? And how do you feel like that's translated into their lives as well and sort of inspired them or motivated them in some way? Oh, gosh. I would love to answer that for them. But I don't know if their answers would be the same as mine. You know, I think they were little when I started Graced by Grit. And they were, you know, oftentimes schlepping with me to events or, you know, missing. I was missing a lot when I was on the road and traveling. And I was um, working all hours of the day. And we were going on, you know, family vacations. And there I was pulled up in a cafe because a PO had to be approved or whatever it was. And I had to get on my laptop. So, you know, they saw what it was and that grit it took to build a company. And 
you know, it was, you know, I was doing it for our family ultimately, but of course it was my passion. It was what I believed in. Um, and you know, there's a lot of moments that were tough. Do I make the choice to go to that big trip for that, those PR meetings, or do I stay home for the big recital that I'm going to miss? And that those are tough decisions to make as a parent. Um, so the good news is we're on the flip side of that now where I am working for another company. And despite the fact that I have that entrepreneurial spirit and I will, you know, do anything at any time, it's a different, you know, it's a different perspective when you're doing it that way. And so I do have more balance in my life. I do take vacation time and turn off and have the ability to spend that quality time that I didn't feel like I had. Um, but what I would say ultimately where I see it affecting my kids is I see them feeling like they can go for anything and there's nothing stopping them. You know, I think for them, it's very much like I can go and try this. I can go to this college. They don't feel like there's this fast ceiling. And even when I ask my daughters, like, do you recognize that there's a difference in gender or that there's a difference in all these things that are happening just because you're young women? They don't feel that they see it yet. And I hope that they never see it. I hope that that glass ceiling by the time they get there is, you know, no longer exists. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's been really cool to watch them, you know, navigate and feel like the world truly, truly is their oyster and uh, they can accomplish. And they're also really hard workers. I will tell you that I made my girls work from a very young age because I felt it was really important to get that responsibility. And, you know, they were like, no one else had to get work permits and go work. (laughs) <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I made them and it was a value my dad instilled in me. And so I think, you know, they know how to work hard. They know that things don't come easy and you have to work and fight for them. Mm. You're like, don't worry. You'll thank me later. <laughs> yeah. I know. They're like, oh, this is great. <laughs> I promise. I promise. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's amazing. That's so, so good. And I love that that glass ceiling isn't really a thing for them. And like you said, hopefully it never is to be honest. And everything that we're doing is obviously a testament to that further and further and further away until it's just no longer there so um, absolutely in terms of rituals routines processes something in your life that you can't live without whether it's preparing or going into a meeting or maybe a morning routine hack that helps you to stay in alignment is there something that you swear by um sleep (laughs) getting enough sleep (laughs) I think that's my, like the biggest like challenge of my life. I'm a terrible sleeper. When I was running graced by grit, I barely slept enough and it caught up with me and I had the negative effects of that. And so I've done, you know, a a lot of work on trying to sleep. So, you know, with that for me is definitely shutting it down with books, not with my phone at the end of the day. And one thing I do is I I get up every day at about five thirty six o'clock and I get a head start on the day in terms of getting on my email and just getting that tone set for the day of like, okay, what do I have to accomplish and setting those goals before I leave my house to even head to the office. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Very, it's, it's such a little thing, but it's like end of the day and beginning of the day. What do those look like? Because those are such powerful points that honestly, it's the tone of everything. Like you said, sleep's going to be impacting everything else. So what are you doing like prior to sleeping in order to set yourself up for success there? And then first thing in the morning, what are you doing in order to set that tone? So I think that for those listening who are wanting to start to establish those, very easy shift to make, but can literally impact everything. So that's amazing. And last question for those that are listening and either just starting out or they're already in the crux of their business and they're going full bore with big goals, big dreams, big desires. What is the last piece of advice? Maybe something that's on on your heart that you just want to leave them with in closing. Um, It's a great question. You know, I would say, and I write about this in the book too, but I would say 
when you have these big dreams and you're going for something, it can feel super overwhelming. And it's like, where do I start? And how much can I accomplish in one day? And how am I going to ever get there? And I really believe that it's creating those lists and those, those sort of, you know, checkpoints of, okay, by Friday, I want to have accomplished these things. And these have to be realistic things that you can accomplish. But when you start to do it that way of these little baby steps of like, tomorrow we're going to do this. And then you accomplish that thing tomorrow. And then the next day and the next week and then the next month. And you, you really set those intentions of what you're going to do, but you don't look at it of like, okay, we're going to have a marketing plan by the end of the month. Like literally map out what that marketing plan looks like. Tomorrow we're going to talk about are, you know, the channels that we're working on and we're going to accomplish that section of it. And so when you, you chip away at it, it really can help you to accomplish the big picture in a much more efficient and less stressful way. Mm, so true. So true. Just breaking down those big goals. So it's a little bit easier to take a one step at a time. I love that. Thank you so much. Kate, my love, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I've enjoyed this conversation so much. And I know that those listening will have gotten so much out of it. For those that want to connect with you further online, where can they find you? Um, so they can go to gracebygrit.com to check out the foundation. They can also go to highleet.com and check out Highleet, remembering that 1% of all the women's product sales go back to the foundation. So check out all that gear. And if you want to buy any product, um, you can use my code, which is Kate. Highleet 40 and I'll give you 40% off your first purchase, uh, which it's totally worth it. And I hope people check it out. Amazing. Amazing. I'm sure that they will. And we'll definitely link all of that in the show notes. So it's super easy for them as well. Thank you so much for coming on the show, love. Appreciate it so much. It's been amazing. Great. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it, Taylor. Thank you so much for tuning in and hanging out with me in today's episode. Because you're a part of the collective, I know you're a visionary woman ready for more. And I'm here to remind you that the world needs your light. If you love this episode or know somebody who would, please share it to your IG stories and tag me at TayRayOfficial. And if you want to show some love for the podcast, please head on over and leave a five-star review on iTunes. And don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss all of the magic coming here soon. For more support, check out the episode show notes, my courses, services, and digital products by heading over to taylorray.com.au. Big love, babe. And until then, go and shine that beautiful light. The world is waiting for you.